As we turn to 1 Peter this morning, if you don't have a Bible, um, we have Bibles that you can have um, on the tables, and you're welcome to grab one of those, and it can be yours. You can take it home and have a free Bible. Um, but as, as you're turning to 1 Peter in your Bibles, I want you to be totally brutally honest. Uh, you can raise your hand, or if you don't want anybody else to know, just give me an eyebrow wiggle, but um, who's stressed? I got a quick hand over here. Uh, I, I, yeah, and I heard me over here. I, I think... If if we were to be honest with one another, maybe not right now this morning, maybe yesterday we went to the spa, got a massage or whatever it was that you worked it out. But, you know, we go through these bouts of stress. I, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm meeting with people and they just say, there's just so much on my plate. Pastor, would you pray for me about this? And just people seem overwhelmed and stressed and anxious. And as a result, you may not have raised your hand, but but you probably have a lot of the symptoms of stress, even though you might not. I hate to admit when I'm stressful, even though I know that at those times my blood pressure is probably going crazy and I, I'm getting the sweats. And Katie's like, you're saying you're not stressed, but you're stressed, pal. Um, you just got all the signs. So I, I think for all of us, if we're to be honest, um, even for the most laid back of people, there's there's just certain things in our life. And it's probably different what those things are for each one of us, but that we feel stress. For some of you, it's getting on an airplane. For others of you, it's just dealing with the folks at work. For some of you, it's all the medical things that keep going. We're stressed. We got anxiety. People don't like us. I'm stressed. I'm anxious, right? That's just how we are. And so I, I think if we just put that before, or, you know, our heart before the Lord, I, I, th- I think we'd come to that point of saying like, yeah, I, I've got some anxiety. And do I have a passage for you this morning? And, 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 you know, if we were to go to the world or turn on the talk shows, they, they would sit down, Dr. So-and-so and say, well, well, here's three steps to deal with your anxiety and, and push all those away and just come and, and let's see this morning what God says about uh, dealing with that stress. Um, and, and the Lord's going to have to do something powerful in you. Okay, he's going to have to do something, some surgery inside of you and inside of me to deal with the stresses. Because a lot of those things that are outside of us, we can't change. The only thing that we can uh, allow to have changes is ourself. You have to deal with, with yourself and your own soul. And so um, here we go this morning <clears throat> with all of your stress. Now, in First Peter chapter 5, we dealt last week with with the pastors, with the elders, the people who were leaders in the church. And, and we saw how they are called to not just be lords over the church, but rather to serve the church, to love the church, to lead the church, to teach and preach in the church. That was their job. That's, that's what I'm called to do is to shepherd the church. But sitting underneath the chief shepherd that of this church, Unity Church, and the whole church worldwide, there is one senior pastor. His name is Jesus, and he shepherds us. And so we, as a people, sit under him. And so... Um, At the same time, he has given people who are in leadership. He has given people who are elders and more um, uh, experienced who are in the church. And so here in in verse five, he's going to start by talking to those who are younger and subjected to them. It says in verse five of first Peter five, likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. So if you're younger, you should be looking up to those who are in leadership. You should be looking to those in front of you. And it's talking here, uh, elders, not just people who by age are elder, but those who have been put into a role of leadership in the church, a pastoral role, um, elder role. And so he's talking to those who are under their care. Hey, sheep, follow your shepherd. Um, submit yourselves to them. Uh, make sure that you're, 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 you're 
um, heeding their advice, their teaching in the scripture, follow the example of their life when they're following Jesus. And so be subject to them. It goes on and says this. Um, how do you do that? He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so in being subject to somebody else. Now, First Peter, it's talked several times about this so far. It wasn't just younger people in the church to the elders of the church, but earlier it talked about wives to their husbands. It talked about slaves to their masters. And it talked about people. We've, we've talked about how if you're an employee, you are subject to your boss in, in that way. And so we, in those relationships, need to heed the opportunity to be subject, that we serve and we're in, we're, we love and we're doing that sometimes not for the, because the person who's over us is very good at their job. And it may not be the totally most just situation, but we're doing it for the Lord, whatever he's trying to work in that situation. And so how do you do that? He says that all of you, all of you, you have to clothe yourselves in humility. Now, I don't know about you, but this morning I'm I'm thankful that the Lord has given me resource to clothe myself completely. And I'm pretty sure you're thankful for that, too, because when we talk about clothing ourselves we're talking about putting on full garments that that almost all my body is covered and that's the way that you are to be about humility you're not asked to be humble just in times of mourning you're not asked to be humble just when you're standing in front of a president president this says clothe yourselves completely covered in humility all the time and and what does it mean to be humble and this is the essence of humility in scripture it is that Jesus Christ becomes everything to you. And in that very same statement, what comes right after it is, and so you become nothing. John the Baptist said that Jesus must increase, I must decrease. I must be an emptied out vessel. That's what it looks like to be humble. And so emptied out that so that everything that's filling into me is just Jesus. That all in all, it's Jesus. Completely Jesus all the time. That's humility. Sometimes it's thought of, well, I, I must not be worth anything. That's not what humility is. Humility is not just being worthless. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. We're really good at just thinking about ourselves all the time. It's me, 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 me. No, it's not. I'm just God's vessel. It's Jesus, 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 Jesus. And I'm given worth by the opportunity of serving my king, of being so humble that no matter where he takes me, I will take that state and I will be as a servant and it will be completely about Jesus. Because there it gave something. It said, for God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He goes on in verse 6 and says this, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Throughout scripture, it talks of God's might. And for us who are humans, it illustrates that by talking about his mighty arm and his mighty hand. And his mighty hand, it says towards his enemies, can we do what? How many of you hate mosquitoes? I hate them. I don't know why God created them. I know there's a purpose somewhere and maybe someday he'll give us a good answer. But for me, when I see a mosquito, whatever might Jason Hudson has in his hands, they're dead. I will take my hand against those enemies and I will squash those mosquitoes because I don't like them. And to God's enemies, it talks about his mighty arm, his mighty hand, that he's able to those mosquitoes who are his enemies just to get them. Oh, but how that changes when you're a sheep that he loves. Because the scripture says that by his mighty hand, he helps you. 
That scripture that we had uh, early out of Psalm 89 talked about that mighty hand that comes and he's, he's rescuing you with that. And so that's his mighty hand. And that mighty hand, you're supposed to humble yourself under that so that as and no longer a mosquito, but as a sheep, that mighty hand guides you and directs you where you need to go. You are submitted to God that you are submit in humility. And the way we act towards one another is to say, hey, I'm just a Jesus follower too. I'm here to serve you and love you. What's this have to do with stress and anxiety? He's calling us first to get our heart to a certain place of humility. I want, I want you to think about somebody in the scriptures who was full of a night when there could have been incredible stress and anxiety. In fact, it said that this man was praying so intensely in the midst of the trial that was to come that when Jesus Christ was praying in that moment, he was sweating droplets of blood where physically his, his capillaries were actually bursting and he was sweating blood under what was about to come. And yet he said, not my will, yours be done. And what I love in that moment is as he's done that, where did he just come from? He was in a garden praying, but not long before that, he was sitting in a room with his disciples. And he was showing them his love by showing them the brokenness of what would become of his body and his blood that would be spilt. It was such an incredible moment of him showing his service and his humility towards them that he considered himself nothing. There was one time back in Seattle, I had an acquaintance who was a... um, a, a professor in the in the school of business at the Seattle University, and so she she said, "Hey, Jason, I'm I'm having several um, people come in for a guest panel, a forum, and what we're talking about is nonprofit fundraising. Uh, these people work for nonprofits. These were, you know, presidents and CEOs of these nonprofits who do fundraising. And she said, "You're you're at a nonprofit. You're at a church, and I imagine you take up offering. I would love if you'd come sit on this panel." I had no clue what I was doing. I just came in there. I was kind of the, the idiot on the panel. Uh, and so I'm sitting there. And the guy, uh, this, the, somebody um, was asking questions of the panelists. And uh, basically, in a lot of ways, they were salesmen um, selling the nonprofit, um, um, telling them about uh, uh, the nonprofit to people who would potentially be donors. And so um, this one man had gotten up, one of the panelists, and he was doing an illustration about how he would immediately, he had to try to recognize the people that he was talking to, and he would do that by how he would shake their hand. Now, he would always have the same handshake, but he said, you can get to know somebody really quick by the way that they shake your hand. He said, there's people who come in and they've got the the big dip, you know, they come in and, and he said that personality trait, you know, that this is how you're going to work them to be able to get them to donate money. He said other people just kind of have the limp fish hand. You know, you, there's barely anything there to squeeze. Um, he said some people come in really strong and try to crush your hand, which was funny because the other day I was I was watching uh, videos on Trump. Have you ever watched Trump shake? You've, you've probably seen the video of him shaking Pence's hand when he comes in and pulls him to him. Have you seen that? There's a real strong and might there. He, he tried to do it to one of the Asian leaders. He pulled them. The Asian leader pulled back. It was really funny. Um, but people shake hands in different ways. And, and, and this man was talking about how you get to know somebody through the handshake. And so he went and sat down. And, and the lady who's teaching the class turned to me and said, well, well, how do you deal with things like this? And I said, well, you know, I don't, I don't know how to compare to that. I mean, uh, I said, I just follow Jesus. And, and what I'm told about Jesus is that Uh, There's no record of Jesus ever shaking hands, but we do know that he washed feet. Isn't that incredible about Jesus? He never tried to go and manipulate somebody by shaking their hand, 
by orchestrating an opportunity to get more money into the ministry. What was incredible about Jesus in the way that he approached, and even his disciples, he was about to die for them. And then it says that at that dinner, when he was serving them bread and wine, that he then um, went and wrapped a towel around himself and got to work on his hands and his knees to wash the grubby feet of the disciples who later on that night would abandon him. It was humility that Jesus showed us. And with the same humility, if the God of heaven can come down and into that room against people who would betray him, who he would come to that room and humiliate himself by washing their feet. Now he says to us, now you humble yourselves. This isn't about how good you can shake hands. This isn't about how well you can handle the situations in your life. This is about you being humble towards one another. Now, the scripture is clear. Jesus said to his disciples, now, I want you to serve like I have served. No student is above his teacher. No, no slave is above his master. Just as you've seen me do it, you do it. He had also told them. That he who is proud will be made humble. But he who is humbled at the proper time will be exalted. And let me give you an illustration of this. In the Old Testament, there's this man that where this happens. And you might wonder, well, if I'm humble all the time, how do I achieve? How do I get to where I'm supposed to go? But when you humble yourself and you put yourself in God's care, he'll get you and lift you to that place that you need to be in order to accomplish. Now, this comes out of 1 Samuel 16. This is when David is anointed king. Samuel, the prophet, is coming. He's going to look at Jesse's sons to see which one of these sons is going to be the next king. And so it says, when they came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. He thought he was going to be the king. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shema pass by. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are all your sons here? And Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest, but he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. And Jesse sent and brought David in. Now, he was, a, uh, he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And that's an incredible story because even as David is being anointed as king, when Samuel looked upon his brothers, like surely that guy's it. That guy, he's a stud. Nope, that's not him. The next dude came up. That guy must be it. None of them. Who'd they get? The little boy watching the sheep. And so the Lord brings this little boy and the Lord says, that's him. That's the one I've chosen. That little guy right there, the youngest. And he takes this little guy and he's anointed with the oil uh, uh, from the prophet saying, this is the anointed king of the Lord. Now, at that time, there was already a king on the throne. And the reason I bring this up is because when David is anointed, he doesn't then march over to Jerusalem and just take the throne. You know what happens right after this? 
the current king, Saul, who's just a knucklehead and he's turned his heart from the Lord. And it says that an evil spirit comes and pesters him. And so David, right after he's anointed king, he knows he's going to be the next king of Israel. What's he do? He goes and he plays the harp. You know that one that the angels play that's kind of soft and twinkly? He goes and plays the harp for Saul, the king, the evil king at that time, in order to help him get over his stress. If you're like, wait, I've been anointed king. What am I doing playing the little harp for, for the king? And then from that point, it says that right after that was when David went and he ran and met the Philistine. Remember that one? And he, he, he stood up against Goliath. He was a little boy over Goli- uh, uh, and he had a, uh, a win over Goliath. And he makes sure to say, it wasn't me. It was the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. Well, what ended up happening was David was doing that for the Lord. He was humble even in the way he fought the giant. And as a result of him winning, all the nation began saying, oh man, David has defeated tens of thousands, but Saul only thousands. And Saul got jealous. And he got jealous of David. And you know what he began to do? He began to try to kill David. He ran after David and, 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 and trailed David. And, and David's running. He's running through the wilderness. He's hiding in caves. At one point, he has to act like a madman. I mean, it's crazy. And, and David's probably like, wait a second, I'm anointed king. But at that point, it didn't look very kingly. The Lord was taking this humble young man and had him on the run. Even though he knew where he was supposed to get to, the Lord had him at this point doing other jobs and and coming up. And it wasn't until later, later on after Saul's death, that he finally gets to go and take the throne. And I just love that story because it's the opportunity for all of us to say, you know what, even though the Lord may have great things for us to do, that doesn't mean we go and take the throne. We're just a servant. Lord, I'm humble. I need to be humble. And so, Lord, keep making me just nothing so that you can be my everything. Imagine it like this. I want you to imagine yourself being like an arrow, okay? And you've got yourself put into the string. You know, you got to, if you're an arrow, you're going to go anywhere. You got to put in the, get put into the bow. But the, at first, when you're put into the bow, you don't, just, you don't just start going and shooting forward, do you? What happens? You're in that bow and you actually go backwards, That's what happens when you're humble. You're saying, Lord, I'm yours, whatever you want to do. And he's pulling you into the bow. As an arrow, you don't get to decide where you go, how far you go, or what you're going to hit. You have just said as the arrow, Lord, I am your servant. And you get put on that string and you get wound up and then the Lord lets you go. And for David, that was shooting towards what his trajectory was to being that king. But it took a while to get there. So what does all this have to do with anxiety we were talking about stress and now you're talking about seems almost more stressful to be humble because i'm not in control of everything and that's the key the key is to realize that as when you become more humble as the lord humbles you you realize how little in control you are and that's a good place to be is to be completely dependent upon god It's the best place to be because you can trust him. And that's where Peter takes us. Look at this. After he talks about humility, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 6 again. He says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. 
casting all your anxieties on him. Because why? Because he cares for you. Because he cares for you. He loves you. He loves you to death. Literally, he loved you to death with Jesus dying on that cross. And so when he says, hey, when you're anxious, give me that anxiety. Let me be your everything. Let me do it all for you. And he's going to work situations in your life to make sure that you know that you're going to be desperate for him. You can't do anything without him. And I think that's why he made David go through all those trials so that one day when he's sitting on the throne, he wouldn't sit there in pomp. He would sit there in humility. He would realize that it was God who defeated Goliath. It was God who protected him in that cave. It was God who had called him to be the king. It was God who was going to be the one to protect Israel. It was God. And David had to learn to cast all of his anxieties on the Lord. Why? Because it was while he was a shepherd, he was remembering, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He cares for me. He cares for me. Sometimes we just need a little bit of perspective. Yesterday, with the in-laws in town, we decided we're going to go down to the beach. And so we got in the minivan, we had our, all of our snacks, and of course we had a big canister of coffee, and we went to the beach. Because that's what you do when you're Hudson. You get coffee and you go to the beach. And we, we got there, we, we went to Wrightsville Beach, and um, we'd never been there before, and so we're looking for a place to set down all of our stuff. And, and um, you know, it, it just seems completely random. You know, there's people that you don't know already on the beach. You're just trying to find a blank space. And, and so we kind of found this little area and we, we carved out our spot there next to another family. And, and I remember um, we had gone on this walk, um, some of us, and, and Naomi and I had kind of trailed off together and, and we're sitting there and, and she kind of got tired. So we stopped and I, I sat down on this little sandy bank as I looked out at the ocean. And, and as I looked out at that ocean, I just realized how small I am. I've realized how many times I've tried to get in those waves for fun, but man, those waves just kind of crush you, right? That was, they just spit you around, and you don't know if a shark's going to come get your leg. I mean, you just feel small, and you feel kind of uh, exposed. And, and to think that the God of the universe at one point said, I want water right there. I want there to be beach right there. And just sitting and looking at this immense ocean, knowing that that what I saw was just a fraction of the entire globe of water that sat on the entire globe called Earth that sat in this entire solar system that sits within the universe. And uh, I mean, it's just huge. And I sat there like a little mosquito. Like a little speck. That God could have, because I have so sinned against him, he could have like a mosquito just squashed me but instead because we're made in his image and he because he cares he gave his one and only son that says i don't desire to squish you i desire to save you and scoop you up and now with the same might that i spoke that ocean into being and this beach into being and you into being and the same might with which I removed your sin and cleansed it because of the work of Jesus Christ and that put you on a path of eternal life through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. Now know my love for you. I haven't sat you here to know how I can crush you. I sat you here so that you can know how I love you. I care for you. And I just came away from that place 
having a little bit of perspective. And so we walked back to where we had camped and as, as Naomi and I finally got back, we noticed that the family that we had sat by, we just randomly sat by, they are talking to our family. The kids have started playing, the uh, adults are chatting, and so we got into this chat and um, as, as we're talking, you know, everybody kind of disbanded, it ended up being the, the father and I, and, and uh, I felt a lot like that time at Seattle U in the business school. This is a businessman with a lot of success, he's done very well. Um, and, and he's considering a move um, um, over to the beach. And so they were kind of looking at the prospect of that. And, and they're in that place of saying, when and how should we come and plant our family here? And there's all the anxiety and all the stress about how is that going to work? I mean, they, they're set in school over here and all the families over here and the job is there and we know all that. But now there's this place that we're supposed to go. And, and, and at this point, I didn't know this man's relationship with the Lord or anything. And I just said, buddy, I'm just going to pray for you. You know, pray that the Lord works this transition out, however that's supposed to be. And, and he said this word. He said, well, I feel that we've been called. And he hadn't said anything else at that point. And I immediately said, friend, are, are you a believer? He said, oh, man, I love, I love the Lord Jesus. And he, he went on and described his life and what the Lord's done. And we stood there watching, again, perspective, this big ocean. And remembering that the God who spoke that into existence had used those same words now to call this man and his family. And realized when the Lord cares for us. And by his grace and his will that's that's just so powerful calls us by that same word, we can trust that. See, there's no anxiety when you look upon the Lord who is everything and you say, God, I know that you can do it. Just, Lord, take me out of the way and trust you. At that moment, all anxiety flees. You can trust him because why? He cares for you. If he's called you from this city to this city, how do you know that that's going to work out? Because he cares for you. What is that going to look like? It may not be better houses, more pay. Um, everything's going to go right at school for the kids. But what it does mean is he's making that transition in your life because he's decided to, to, to pull you back like the arrow and shoot you there. And you are going to land at the target that he desires, which is always this. Closer to him. That's the goal. It's not which city you land in, land in, it's are you landing on your knees closer to Jesus? Are you being put into that place of service for Jesus? When we understand that he cares about us and we've been brought to that place of humility like Jesus, that's when anxiety leaves. We can trust his word. We can trust his love for us. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God and cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And we're going to close today with a couple songs that speak in those two directions out of Micah 6, 8. It says, and I have a couple helpers who are going to come help uh, lead these this morning. And um, in Micah 6, 8, there's the question of what does, what does God require of us as people? And it says that we would do justly that we would love mercy and that we would walk humbly with our God. And so um, if you would this morning, I'm going to ask you to stand. You know, a lot of times we stand at the end and, and uh, we're going to stand and sing. But here's often a question of, of, well, what am I supposed to do now? 
And here's what you do. You draw close to Jesus. And right now, if you're standing and you're singing this song and you're like, I have anxiety, there's something on my plate, go give that to him. That's that humbling of saying, Lord, I'm nothing. I need you. You're my everything. And just come bring that thing. If it's your entire life, just bring your whole life and say, Lord, keep making me less and you more. And we'll sing these songs together and just put yourself at the Lord's feet and pray to him this morning as we close. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee. But to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Let's try that again. If you don't know the song, you're welcome to sing the echo with the gals up here. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the sing this talks about casting all of our cares upon the Lord and this morning if you have a care and you would like to come down and, and pray at the front you're more than welcome I'm going to ask of you one of the good ways that we can be humble and serve one another is if you see somebody come and praying you come alongside them and you come pray with them and of course I asked the, the, the deacons if you see anybody come and pray that you would but come and, and together humble yourselves and and uh, and serve one another by praying together as you cast your cares upon him